It's Zach Lumbichichi. I'm not popular. It's my、uh, monthly solo episode. And lately I've kind of been thinking about why it is I do this podcast. And I know that from the beginning there was at least a faint desire to preserve or perhaps even revive. The kind of gay vulgarity and rage and humor and worldview that I believe is in a lot of peril and danger. I think it's very threatened at this moment, if it even honestly still exists. And I had Jack from the Perfume Nationalist on my show last week, and my conversation with him. Really reminded me of that sort of mission. And I really do feel like this is kind of a、uh, radio show from the end of the world. It's kind of how I fashioned it in the trailer, and I didn't really think about what I was doing then, but now I see that even if it's like not COVID or it's not the Joe Biden presidency, whatever it is, like, We are in a, a major state of end times right now. And even if we're not, gay comedy is and gay perspective is. And I was really glad to talk to Jack about the shape of drag, as we know, and gay literature and writing, because now I feel even more sort of cognizant of what I want this show to do. And today, my plan was to talk about John Waters. I recently rewatched his entire film catalog, with the exception of、uh, Mondo Trasho, which I still haven't seen yet. And I was really looking forward to、um, kind of talking about his art and what it means to me. Rewatching Polyester and seeing A Dirty Shame for the first time really solidified the power that he has in. Articulating homosexual nastiness and the general perversion of the world in a way that I think is very arresting and sits in my gut. But then I,、uh, I encountered something else. This year, we should do a worst classic books ever list and why they should not be taught in K 12 schools anymore. Because they legit cause kids to hate reading. Number one on the list Moby Dick. It literally kills brain cells. Call me Ishmael, call me dead, because this book killed me, and I am now back from the dead haunting your English teacher ass for making me read this god awful, pretentious, loathsome time suck of a book, and I hate you forever. December 1st, 2020. 9 49 a.m. from Ellen. Oh, hell no. At L O L N O. 
This is one of the first tweets I saw responding to a different tweet, all kind of centering around a community of young adult authors in the uh, so-called Twitter sphere. This entire genre of tweets that appeared today and will surely vanish into the void tomorrow were responding to this separate YA novelist named, uh, named Jess Clues or something. And uh, she basically made a tweet about um, a reaction to Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter, saying, if you think Hawthorne was on the side of the judgmental Puritans in The Scarlet Letter, then you are an absolute idiot and should not have the title of educator in your Twitter bio. So the first tweet I read was responding to this. And this tweet is in turn responding to a screenshot of a tweet attached to this Jess Clues moment. Uh, The screenshot reads, Did you all know that many of the quote classics unquote were written before the 50s? Think of U.S. society before then and the values that shaped the nation afterwards. That is what is in those books. That is why we got to switch it up. It ain't just about being old. Hashtag disrupt texts. So before we even begin addressing what I want to talk about today, we're already trapped in this postmodern evil spider web of content cyclically addressing itself in some sort of vicious feedback loop. So what we can understand thus far is that there's a lot of young adult novelists, and they have very strong feelings about high school curriculum, or I suppose K-12 through generally, and they're very upset about a separate YA novelist coming in and saying, hey, you're not reading The Scarlet Letter correctly. This is how it should be read. This is an important book. And the general response I can find from this fucking community of YA novelists I stumbled across today is that curriculum and the way we teach English classics desperately needs to be changed. And those who oppose that idea are problematic and must be communally addressed and corrected. So, of course, (laughs) this is where I uh, enter the picture. I naturally found that these uh, tweets were really quite loathsome and repulsive. And I'm sure there's a variety of reasons for that. And the easiest one that I think people are going to want to latch on to is that I am uh, perhaps white and cisgender. Both things are true. And I also love, quote, classic, unquote, literature. So if that's the portrait you want to draw of me, then by all means. But with that considered, or with anything else considered, I have developed into a person who loves a lot of books that would be described as curriculum for high school courses, I guess. I love Shakespeare. I love F. Scott Fitzgerald. I even have an appreciation for books that I don't really have a deep need to read again, like To Kill a Mockingbird or 
Catcher in the Rye, The Scarlet Letter, As I Lay Dying, Any Hemingway. I mean, these are all books that I find to have worth and meaning. Like, these are all texts, authors, and plays and literature that I think contributes something to the world we live in, to our history and culture. And at the most basic level, I can appreciate it for that. All of the lit I just mentioned are ones that Miss Ellen Ohelno specifically mentioned in her train of tweets in which she said these books should not be instructed because they are of uh, not any significant worth to high school students. They wouldn't enjoy them. They are out of touch with the cultural climate, etc. She mentioned all of these pieces of art and these artists and basely decried them as being unfit and unworthy of education for K through 12 students. So in a state of profound disagreement with these original tweets, I uh, did respond to Miss Ellen Hell No, and I called her a questionably literate sloth. (laughs) Because I find that if you are so willing to dismiss texts and works of art that have a profound place in culture, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with the thematic statement and if that resonates with the current contemporary moment or not, if you refuse to acknowledge that and then read it critically, to me, you are a lazy sloth. You're a creature. I completely understand the urge and the desire to incorporate diverse authors and to make sure that history is accurately represented in the art and literature that you are teaching as part of an English lesson. But if you choose to neglect the artists and writers that have inarguably defined many pieces of the field, you're lazy. You are a lazy, loathsome, sloth creature. And that opinion is why I sent my little old tweet. you're wondering, why do we teach Shakespeare and Hemingway and these authors who appear inaccessible to high school students? And the reason is that if you want to understand any English form of storytelling in the present, having a robust knowing and understanding of Shakespeare, his language, his conventions and characters... It's going to give you a lot of entrance and perspective on why stories look like they do. Because the irrevocable fact of the matter is that Shakespeare is one of the most influential collectors of Western narrative. I mean, he didn't write a ton of original material, but the way he synthesized it and presented it is a fashion in which we continue to do so today. 
so why read Othello? Why read Romeo and Juliet or A Midsummer's Night Dream or anything? And, and the reason is because those stories are still being told, but in different forms today. And being able to successfully read them and understand them and process them is going to give you a lot more strength when you're approaching a fucking American television show. Why read Moby Dick? Because it's a passionate sexual novel about process and about work and about how you can understand human desires. If you put in the work and learn these texts, you're going to be able to understand yourself better. It's the whole point of why anyone reads at all. Unless you're just merely reading for pleasure, in which case I say, well, just watch some fucking reality TV, you know? And again, the question is, well, high schoolers might not enjoy this. And it's my perspective that you're not going to love and enjoy everything you read. Sometimes it's a painful process. But if you teach them correctly, and you teach them with the emphasis of, oh, we're going to learn to read this so that we can learn to read other media, if we learn how to process these themes and then take that to approaching other forms of art, then you're going to find a lot of motivation and success in your students. All of this reasoning seems pretty frank and clear to me. You read Shakespeare so that you can understand the manner in which language functions, and even if it's a fucking drag and you hate it, if you're being instructed properly, you come out of it with a better understanding of the function of language, and you come out understanding how narratives and theme work. I mean, with all of that in mind, it's difficult for me to imagine why you wouldn't instruct these texts. Because high school classes are not always about enjoying what you're reading. And even though I was really blessed and I had a skilled teacher who showed me the utter joys of Taming of the Shrew and the complexity behind the characterization and the way that any kind of narrative can work, how it can challenge you and upset you. The same teacher taught me Streetcar Named Desire in my classes, taught me Tennessee Williams. Even if I hadn't had that teacher, I still believe earnestly and with all of my heart that it's a disservice to deprive students of a knowledge of Shakespeare or a knowledge of the, quote, classic, unquote, novelists who have shaped the way that we read. So I'm left with a sort of perturbed and upset state of why don't you do this? Like, why are you so opposed to this? Is it because you're lazy and you don't want to have to go through the difficult practicum of teaching your kids this shit? Or is, like, there is something more insidious going on here? And this probably won't be a shock to most people, but the answer is that there is something deeply disturbing and wrong behind these people's motivations. Jindiki, 
というのがありました心にと言えなくてと繰り返して鶏とあだ名がつけられた I began to detect that there was something more sinister going on with these tweets than I initially anticipated.、Uh, when people started responding to what I said, and obviously I said something a little cruel. I called this woman a sloth, and I said that women like her are responsible for making our books nothing but idea affirming confetti. I still stand by everything I said.、Um, But lots of people were quite appalled with my point of view. And not just with my approach or my harsh homosexual language towards this woman. What they were really upset about was the ideological content of what I said. So, en masse, I began to receive all shapes and colors of loving feedback from the YA community. <laughs> What an unfortunate, dumbass flag to fly in front of God and everybody at Sassy Vibrarian. Wow, someone feels threatened by someone else's opinion on the internet. a n i t a D. They're classics because people say so. It hurts、at、no one to stop talking to you. It's actually more helpful to be bothered to capitalize and match the time. They're not criticizing us to one another. They're just trying to get us 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 There are three possibilities here. One, this person has been making word salad and even they don't understand what they've been going on about. Two, this person doesn't understand, hasn't read Shakespeare. Three, this person has the intellectual depth of a low flow toilet and flaunts it. Now, let me be stark fucking clear. I have read Shakespeare. I have read a lot of Shakespeare because I love William Shakespeare. And this user, at tiny whatever, has suggested that I have not read Shakespeare because I believe he should be taught in high school. So her logic is that because I think that Shakespeare should be taught and educated, that I very clearly have no grasp or understanding of his writing. And that sickens me. It disgusts me. This particular user, Tiny Tempest, started. Quote tweeting me to her 11,000 followers for whatever grift it is that she runs, and said that Shakespeare only appeals to white audiences and only serves to affirm white audiences and white readers. And she was responding to my suggestion that Shakespeare is, in fact, valuable and should be read in classrooms. For you know, the reasons I listed earlier. And I don't really feel like I have to go into this, but without a doubt, Shakespeare has some of the most complicated characters that betray trope, that display a multitude of possibilities for the human ego. You can name literally any play, and every character, or at least many of them, are constantly. Floating different roles and are playing an entire multitude of parts that are quite honestly very against the character that they were set as. 
I mean, you look at the romantic comedy. Um, it's the pastoral piece, as you like it. And we see these characters who are changing gender in their performance um, in a way that may have been common to the medium at the time but in effect and for the audience it's not just like a crowd pleasing uproarious bit it's a display of the power that comes from transgressing outside of gender and the consequences of it and it shows an entire emotional reality to the different ways that presentation changes our very character and that's even before we get into stuff like lady Macbeth, you know or Cleopatra and Antony and Cleopatra, who is so seriously devoted to fabulous displays of almost campy gay ego that she becomes one of Shakespeare's most complicated figures ever. And these people were saying, like, oh, well, you should read Midsummer's Night Dream because obviously, like, that play is just for fun and uh, affirming of identity. And that play is filled with nothing but people's identities being broken down and traded out for others. So... Fuck you, bitch. Your point is not right. It's not right, and it's not right with me, and it's not, it's not, okay, I don't accept it. And this is the point in which I become very much cognizant of a serious grift that is taking place here. Because this is where most of the rage against what I said and what a lot of other users said as well, this is where the rage lies. What this user, among others, were suggesting is that Shakespeare is indicative of an outdated Western canon that prioritizes white voices, and particularly those of, uh, as they say, old white men. And because of that reason, this Twitter user, among the educators and YA novelists who came from my fucking wig... They believe that authors like Shakespeare should be deprioritized in K through 12 classrooms because they no longer represent the contemporary condition. And they're too difficult and they're not engaging and they don't provide motivation for students to read, particularly because of said identity, which is that of white man. Now, I've already kind of gone into pretty extreme detail about why, at least on a layer of prose, Shakespeare should be read, and that's because his writing is very influential to basically all story structures that remain to this day, and because the narrative forms of his writing linger in literally all of our media, from advertising to reality TV to fucking, I don't know, decom movies. Like, everything is informed at least partially by Shakespeare, and I, I think that's an unavoidable truth. So acknowledging that honest fact of the matter, the complaint that we are left with and the seed of this deeply insidious problem that is inspiring people to take up arms against Shakespeare is his identity. These Twitter users are arguing that because the majority of the Western canon consists of old, dead, white men, that it needs to be hashtag disrupted. We need to hashtag disrupt text, and we need to reorient the way that we read and teach literature.
Foremost, I'd like to make it extremely clear that there is a deep need for more underrepresented authors to be taught in curriculum. This goes without saying, I, I feel like, but I, I'm i concerned that if I don't mention it, that people are going to think otherwise. But I have a really deep appreciation for a lot of these authors who were taught to me in high school by my teachers and I wish that everyone had the same experience with. Because several of my high school teachers were confident that high schoolers can read literature that is above and beyond their perceived ability. I read Jazz by Toni Morrison in my sophomore year of high school. We read Gwendolyn Brooks. We read Langston Hughes. We read James Baldwin. I mean... I don't think it is a robust and complete education of black writers, but I do nonetheless think that, you know, high schoolers are perceptive enough to be able to read challenging literature, for example, Shakespeare or Langston Hughes, who honestly, like, if you don't know a lot of the systems and formula of literature, they're pretty difficult to perceive. But because I had already read authors like Fitzgerald and Shakespeare at that point, and Melville as well, I was able to read some of this literature that is often a reaction to larger like cultural systems of writing, and I was able to get a more complete and whole experience and understanding of these poets and writers. So, at this point, like a half hour into recording all of the bullshit for this podcast, I hope that it is abundantly clear that I want a variety of writers to be read in curriculum. And at this point, I don't care if you believe me or not because I'm exhausted of being spectrally molested by all of these people online. Like, for over 48 hours, for an opinion that had honestly nothing to do with most any of this at all— I have been harassed and bombarded and tweeted and tweeted and tweeted and tweeted and tweeted and tweeted at by these young adult fiction writers who just have a fucking bone to pick about this shit. So if you believe me, great. If you don't, okay. But I have respect for authors like Toni Morrison and James Baldwin, and I believe that really deeply that they should be read. And at the same time, I believe that Shakespeare is fundamental for anyone who wants to be able to read, watch, or experience media. So stop spectrally touching my body. Let me go, okay? It's time to move on from this and get to the heart of what this whole fucking affair is actually about. You'll recall that earlier... In the uh, midst of some battle royale music, I um, listed some of the YA authors and Twitter accounts that were commenting on my post. Ellen O is the author of such books as The Dragon Egg Princess, aimed for middle grade readers, and also the president of the nonprofit We Need Diverse Books. Cami Garcia is also a young adult and young person's fiction author who 
writes books in the DC Universe for the Teen Titans franchise, as well as the novel Broken Beautiful Hearts about a young soccer player who may or may not have been abused. Kat Cho is a host of the Write or Die podcast, and she has a book out with Disney in 2022 called Once Upon a K-Prom. David Bowles is a translator, author, and associate professor, as uh, well as a um, inclusion management firm member. He's written such books as the Chupacabras of the Rio Grande. And that fucking prick thought that he could send me a tweet that said, Hakushokudo desu baka. That doesn't have any meaning, you asshole. That doesn't mean shit. That's not Japanese. That's Google Translate, you fuck. Some of us actually have to toil and struggle to learn languages and work at it and live places and do jobs and have boyfriends who speak the language that you claim to translate while you are clearly plugging retarded bullshit into your Google Translate and spitting it out at people as insults because you have nothing better to do, you utterly repulsive asshole. So what I've discovered is that basically all of these people who had a bone to pick with me are all published authors whose fiction and literature is primarily concerned with representing a diverse cast of characters. And I can earnestly say that I'm glad that in the 21st century we have books that any middle schooler of any cultural background can pick up and read and see themselves in. But I am also discovering a very serious and tangible corporate bias. We have authors here who are having their literature distributed by HarperCollins, DC, and fucking Disney. And all of these authors are going to bat for high school programs that completely remove authors they perceive to be of the old guard of the Western canon. No Shakespeare, no Melville, no Hemingway, no Steinbeck. They want these books removed. And I'm not hyperbolizing. That was literally the tweet that Miss Ellen O, Miss Ellen O, hell no, posted on her public account is that she believes these books should not under any circumstances be educated to children between kindergarten and the 12th year. And they are all rallying around a specific hashtag that at first I thought was a sort of nebulous, empty force. Hashtag disrupt texts. But after doing just the most scant amount of research into this movement that the YA community is very serious about, I've found that it is no such vacuous entity. It's an actual organization. It's a 
real, tangible, existing corporeal thing. Disrupt Texts is an allegedly grassroots, crowdsourced effort, as they describe themselves on their website, um, composed of teachers and educators looking to bring diversity into their classrooms. And it was founded by um, four individuals who teach or are involved with pedagogy, Kimberly, Lorena, Trisha, and Julia. And the organization purports to have been around since, I guess, 2018. They have blog posts disrupting classical Western literary canon texts, um, suggesting replacements for them, talking about what their problematic features are, perhaps how they could be taught otherwise, and their main function has been to provide slow conversations, um, series of tweets under a single hashtag that are posted and then collectively gathered into a single blog post featured on their website, disrupttext.org. Where things start to get a little fishy for me is that this organization and its founders have been collectively organizing around this Disrupt Texts movement for about a year and a half, or I guess two years now. However, their Twitter account was only started in January 2020. And while the posting history on their blog does suggest that they have been at least doing something aside from selling t-shirts and mugs and hoodies with their logo on it since then, as well as suggesting that the film Get Out should be replacing The Great Gatsby in course curriculum, they really have only been tweeting and gathering a large number of interest since this year. Google Trends identifies that although there was a marginal amount of interest around the summer of 2018, it wasn't until midway this year that this hashtag and concept started gaining any serious traction at all. And strangely enough, that timeline happens to coincide with a certain collaboration from the good folks with an X over at Penguin Books. Penguin Books released alongside Disrupt Texts a comprehensive guide to the Disrupt Texts movement along with a series of recommended books to involve in your course curriculum. It includes discussion guides and formats for discussion, including a specific framing device um, in which you use the following sentence. As a insert identity, I see insert issue with insert opinion slash perspective because in my experience, insert support. However, I recognize that my view may be limited because blank. In order to deepen my understanding of this issue, here are some of the questions I need to explore. Blank. The guide titled hashtag disrupt texts in your classroom with these eight texts 
includes buying recommendations for literature such as Before the Ever After, Patron Saints of Nothing, and Anti-Racist Baby. All, of course, available through Penguin Books. As I've already gone into pretty extensive detail on this episode, I don't have a problem with making sure your course curriculum reflects a variety of authors, and in fact, I think it's essential to a valuable education. I also don't really have a specific problem with a lot of what this hashtag disrupt texts organization seems to be wanting to do. I mean, I do think it's valuable to think about your experience when you are discussing art with your peers. But what becomes detestable to me is that a lot of these earnest ideas that are harmless and abstract are being applied for the sole purpose of corporate preservation. Penguin Books wants you to stop reading Shakespeare and Hemingway because they want you to purchase anti-racist baby and give them money. If you can incorporate 30 copies of Anti-Racist Baby into your classroom, it's going to make a lot more than washed-up copies of books that you can get quite cheap at basically anywhere. I mean, a lot of these books that they're flatly decrying as racist and saying are killing children's brains in response to literature are ones that you can read for free through things like Project Gutenberg, or quite cheaply because they're in such high circulation. But Disrupt Text is here to tell you that you do not need to read Shakespeare, and you do not need to read Moby Dick, and you do not need to read works that are in the public domain, because you can buy Anti-Racist Baby. You can prove that you are not racist and homophobic, and in fact, you are cognizant of what should be the new canon. And you can make those white men running the company even richer in the process. And because Disrupt Texts is so coded with a sheen of impenetrable social justice, people who have absolutely no idea what this organization is doing, or what its goals are, or who they are, see the idea of it that we should incorporate more diverse authors. They, they see the basics of it, and they go fully to swing, on bat, ready with their spiked baseball bats full of nails to batter me over home base because I think that people should fucking read Antony and Cleopatra sometimes. Outside of all of this, I will reiterate with honesty that Shakespeare and Tennessee Williams and Melville and Hemingway and Steinbeck and these old white men authors who have certainly said troublesome things and certainly have perspectives that do not click with the way we look at the world anymore, these authors have shown me pieces of humanity and myself that I think transcends a lot of these identity politics. And if they're instructed with care and passion and excitement that no matter who you are, you can find some of these things in it too. And it's not always easy Sometimes it's difficult and challenging, but I believe that kids are smart enough and, you know, anyone else is smart enough too that they can work through these books, learn to love them, and learn why to love them and how to. 
Or, I guess, you can just read anti-racist baby. You can throw away your books and there will be nobody rallying in the street. I'll be back uh, next week with more bullshit. Back to my usual routine with uh, some new fresh ideas. I'd like to thank Jack from the Perfume Nationalist. He really inspired this episode in a lot of ways. You can buy my new zine on Etsy. Ja, matane. Mono